0: I'm everything design with a flair for finance. Hi, I'm Danielle, and I'm everything finance with a flair for design. Welcome to Nourish Your Worth, a podcast on a mission to promote financial literacy and self-care. We seek to help
1: free people from financial fear and empower them to live their lives with more confidence and purpose. Welcome. This is a safe space to grow. Let's get to nourishing your worth. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our financial wellness podcast. I'm Kelly here with my co-host Danielle. And today we're going to talk about the value of cooking at home and introduce a new weekly challenge to help you save money,
0: eat healthier and de-stress. That's right. Kelly, I ran some numbers and pulled the receipts. Did you know that on average by cooking at home, you could save $13,000 annually? And if I pull out my financial advisor hat and if we invest that and we get a return of 8% in 10 years, we could have nearly $200,000 in our bank account. And that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. I will take it. Yeah, I think that
1: makes sense to me. The price of takeout is outstanding. I'm saying takeout as though that's the only option. People also dine out. I think not only are we talking about saving money, but eating at home is a way to eat healthier. And I think of it as one of my favorite ways to practice self-care. It just makes me feel good to cook for
0: myself. You already know that I love to do that as well. And especially as I'm here recovering, one of my favorite things to do is turn on music in the background and cook. I'll also say that part of the experience of why we like to go out and treat ourselves, if you will, is because it truly feels like a treat. It's like we're given a special gift. One of my hacks that I love to do when I'm plating food for myself or for my loved ones, it has to look beautiful. So when you present that meal in a beautiful manner, it just tastes better.
1: I agree with you. And your food is beautiful food. I People will see it, but I can attest. I don't always think about it. And then I make my delicious meal. And I'm like, oh, I made a whole plate
0: of brown. That's why you should use fresh herbs. Actually, that's what I was just going to say. You need to pull out your artist hat and throw some color on it. Another of my favorite hacks that I've been starting is to make chimichurri. I buy parsley at the farmer's market and chop it up with garlic, olive oil, red pepper flakes, and salt. You can even add lemon zest. You can add any mix-ins, even fruit. And so I have this jar sitting on my counter and add it on top of everything. It adds flavor and makes it look more beautiful if you're eating a plate of brown.
1: I love that. I had a week recently where I made a batch of aji verde, that Peruvian sauce.
0: Is that the yellow stuff?
1: Not the yellow, the green. The yellow is, I know we love this yellow sauce from this one Peruvian restaurant. The yellow one is not the most common sauce that you get. It's really unique to this one restaurant. I think it comes on some dishes at other restaurants. The more common sauce is the green, and it's just a different type of pepper. And so if I had access to the ingredients, to the yellow stuff, but I would need to go to a Latin market and get true Peruvian Amarillo pepper.
0: I'm going to look into that. But, oh my gosh, you made me miss one of our old favorites, chicken. What? I can't even remember the name of it. Chicken shack. I was going to say chicken crack, but I stopped myself. We used to just drown ourselves in that sauce, which was absolutely amazing. One of the things that kind of brought this to our attention is everybody's always having these engagement challenges. Other money coaches have challenges on ways to save money. And what we often talk about in our private practice is where we often get off track on our spending plans is that discretionary bucket. And that going out to eat, especially for single people. And there's two single ladies here on the podcast that it's cheaper to eat out than to cook for yourself. And so obviously we're going to debunk that. And it's just a ridiculous statement. Let's be honest. We don't tip ourselves. And I think it's a 300% of charge on food prices. I really think we're just lazy, which I've been there, done that.
1: I certainly have as well. I've also been inspired to eat out or get takeout because of what somebody's eating on the TV show I'm watching. That's interesting. Yeah. I had that recently with you, Danielle, with that show
0: Fleischman. That was a great show.
1: Lots of Chinese food on that show. And by the end, I was like, darn it, I'm getting Chinese food. (laughs) It is astronomically expensive. I can share. And I did end up the next time I wanted Chinese food. I found a recipe for orange chicken online and figured out how to work it into my food budget and make meals that went along with buying those same um, ingredients, which is something that I think we want to talk about, too, is you also can blow a ton of money grocery shopping if you're doing five new recipes and they're all very different and you don't have the ingredients on hand. That's going to be an expensive grocery bill. So we want to talk a bit about how you
0: can save
1: money while grocery shopping and shop smart.
0: Exactly, and there may be an investment in your pantry. One of my favorite things in my house is I have a spice drawer and I'm a planner, so it's organized alphabetically. I say a planner, but maybe I have OCD, and yes, spices are a little more expensive, but when you buy a spice packet, you're paying for the same thing, and if you turn it around, they have a lot of chemicals in there. Yes, there will be an initial investment, but the reality is you're going to save money over time, and if you get into this habit, it will balance out. I think you're absolutely
1: right. It is totally an investment. I'm always bummed out also when it's time to replace a spice that I use a lot where I'm like, oh man, that's going to be another $6 or whatever, depending upon where I shop. But part of that also is knowing which spices you use a lot. You might not know that right away if you're just getting started cooking. But for example, I make chili a lot. Not a lot, not like a crazy amount. But I make chili pretty decent enough times to know that like Getting the small jar of chili powder, I'm going to run out after a couple of pots of chili. And so instead, you can buy in bulk where it makes sense to. Salt, for example, is something I buy salt in bulk because it's much cheaper. And I use salt pretty much every time I'm
0: cooking. We talked about it before, but I have a side passion project of doing a gluten-free vegan cookbook, and I've been compiling what are the spices that I use, right? And so immediately when you said chili before, I would have pulled out a McCormick's package mix. But it's chili powder, paprika, cayenne pepper, cumin, oregano, salt, pepper, fresh onion, fresh garlic, and that's it. When you make from scratch, you can control the flavor. If you cook at home, you'll just need these staples that you're always relying on to level up the flavor profile of your dishes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You hit the big guys in my arsenal too. And one of the reasons I love chili and I love soups and things like that is because you can mix and match your spices up too. You can throw in a little bit of something else if it suits your palate or what have you. And sometimes you might run out of, if you're using, I think I like to use fresh onions, but if I don't have fresh onions, I might use onion powder in my chili if I have everything else and craving it. And that's another part of cooking that can be fun to me is you, you get an idea of the spices you like. I like Latin fired spice mixes, probably American Latin. Nonetheless, that cumin, that chili and cayenne I love. And you can learn what spices you like and add them into the dishes that you like. But you also can learn where, oh, shoot, I'm out of my normal cayenne. What can I put in there instead? Maybe you'll have some red red chili flakes. And it's different,
0: but it can give you that heat. Exactly. Or I was going to say, pull out red hot. If you have that bottle in your fridge, one of the things that since I've moved to Santa Barbara, I literally live in the farmer's backyard and I go to the farmer's market every weekend. And so I've been really passionate about sustainability and trying to reuse things. So when you said orange earlier, it got me thinking, I'm trying to make as many friends as I can that have orange, lemon, and lime trees in their backyard because then I get them for free. But I've started drying them and try not to throw anything away because you can take that, period, it, and it's actually a really good tea to drink. But then it also adds flavor. One of my favorite hacks, too, is adding lemon zest to almost anything. It adds a freshness or just a vibrancy to it. And it's just those little hacks that kind of like the chef's kiss, if you will, to make your food taste a little bit better.
1: I agree. I love lemon zest. I wouldn't think I would love lemon zest, but I definitely got into some lemon zesting. And I'm someone, I keep the bottled lemon juice on hand at all times. It's not the ideal way of using lemon juice in your food, but I like lemon juice enough that I'm like, I want to have lemon juice. And I think also in my childhood home, we always had that that funny like lemon-shaped bottle of lemon juice in your fridge. But absolutely, lemon zest in general is just an underrated ingredient that goes into some recipes. It really adds something.
0: It is. It really comes down to cooking techniques, presentation, and just those little extra bits. Flaking salt is actually one of my favorites too. If you can even imagine me like with my little hand and just sprinkle flaky salt dust on top of everything. I love it. You're like Salt bay. You I ever like- see that kind of I totally did. Actually, Emerald Lagasse, right? Bam. I don't know what your diet restrictions are, but we know you love salads, and we're going to put together a meal plan where it's gluten free vegan. And we'll pull the receipts and show that yes, sometimes those ingredients are going to cost a little bit more, but then we'll show it the good old San Fernando Valley Kelly way too. And you're going to cook along too. Another hack how I add protein to my meals is I always have a seed mixture in my fridge. It's chia, flax seeds, and hemp hearts. It just adds all these extra proteins and nutrients, and it's a nice finishing to any bootable or anything that I do or even adds like a nice flavor to a salad because I don't eat croutons. I don't eat croutons either. I love this. Seed is an absolutely amazing
1: topping for salad and for different foods. I love to cook Asian inspired noodle dishes and top them with sesame seeds as well or little salads with sesame seed topping.
0: Sesame seeds are hard to find.
1: I buy them in spice jars. I don't know. I I like them. I like that little extra nuttiness and crunchiness. But I don't know. You probably don't know this about me. Sunflower seeds, one of my favorite foods, period. Hands down.
0: I did not know that about you.
1: Yep. I eat them every day. I eat them in the shell every day as my little snack at the end of the day. And I also, if it's an option on a salad, I pretty much always get sunflower seeds on my salad as well.
0: Wait, you say you eat them in the shell. Do you eat the shell? No
1: habit that drives everyone else crazy. It's a good thing I'm single right now because I can eat my seeds in peace. Every roommate, parent, partner that I've cohabitated with is shut up with the seeds already. Cringe and crack and am open. I think part of it is I grew up in a baseball family, so I was always on the field. I love sunflower seeds too. What's the brand? Is it David? I was going to say it's sunflower. No, it's David. Yeah, David is a common brand. I actually buy Sprouts brand sunflower seeds now because I live right by sprouts. And as a result of that, the David ones are a little salty for me when I do. I occasionally pick one up if I'm at a different store.
0: That's crazy. So talking about different grocery stores and the price points, I always say this and I annoy my daughter, Jazz, where I'm like, just because you have money doesn't mean you need to spend it. And so there are different stores that I go to, and especially eating gluten-free and grain-free. Sometimes those things are a little more expensive, but some of my favorites are Sprouts, all the Trader Joe's, Costco, and actually Walmart. They're really trying to level up their game. Then a lot of times you can order directly from the place. See at Tea Foods is one of my favorites. I love Mexican food, and we're definitely going to incorporate some Taco Tuesday or some of my amazing jackfruit enchiladas into our week. But you can sign up as a new customer on their website and you get 25% off. And then, of course, I really try to hack it and I sign up on 10 different emails. Smallmelbeasley at gmail.com. Alter ego. Alter email. Exactly. I love that. Yeah,
1: it definitely. It makes a difference where you shop and understanding what things cost at the different stores can be really helpful depending upon how tight your budget is. Where I know this is a bad example, but I recently was at CVS and I thought, oh, maybe I'll pick up a, the Velveeta shells and cheese, one of my childhood guilty pleasures. And it was like $7 and I was like, I can't spend $7 on Velveeta shells and cheese. It's terrible. And then I went to 7-Eleven a different day and saw they were, it was like $2.50 at 7-Eleven. Yeah, which 7-Eleven generally has a markup because it's a convenience store. So obviously CVS is doing some kind of bracket there. But knowing when you're getting a good value, hopefully you're not always buying processed junk like Velveeta shells and cheese,
0: but <laughs> even when you are. I was going to say, I've learned a lot about you, Velveeta shells and cheese, sunflower seeds and are a cereal lemon zester. Oh yeah. I grew up in an American
1: household where we had casseroles and soup. The Campbell's soup is still an ingredient that I will consider for (laughs) part of my meal. Over time, I, and no offense to that because it, it was yummy stuff, but I grew obsessed foods in my diet and eating lots of red meat. My family always thought it was really funny that I could eat as much red meat or more than
0: many adults, we might get the prime rib and I wanted the giant cut and the server would be horrified. (laughs) I grew up in Idaho and grew up with Campbell's soup and casseroles as well. Bean with bacon soup was my absolute favorite. And my grandma, who was one of my favorite humans in the world, she would always make sure that we had it on hand. And I will say that today, I definitely would not be grabbing for a can of bean with bacon soup. I've seriously leveled up my skills. Fair enough. And when
1: I do occasionally given to the Velveeta shells and cheese I dress it up a little bit with some tuna which is another staple of American cooking is that like tuna casserole gross stuff but I always end up thinking "Eh, that wasn't quite as good as I would wanting it to be or maybe the first couple of bites are like amazing delicious and then the rest of it I'm like I should not have done this to my body
0: (laughs) I'm already feeling tomorrow I love soups as well. And one of my favorite hacks. Okay. I said that already 10 times is after I go to the farmer's market and I clean and prep my veggies for the week, I will boil all the clippings and make a veggie stock. And lately what I've been doing is I've been healing is I'll turn to that veggie stock, throw whatever veggies I have on hand in, make a soup, and then I'll add a gluten-free noodle to it and then add some of my chimichurri on top. And I've made this delicious ramenish meal.
1: Love it. I love soup. I'm a Huge soup fan. I love ramen as well. I, for me, as Danielle said, I'm not vegetarian. I do try to now limit my meat intake and I subscribe to the idea of use meat as a seasoning instead of the main event. Although sometimes it ends up being the main event, but I love a chicken soup and just to add some spice to that broth and get some cilantro in there and trying to mimic what is it? pozole soup.
0: Yeah. I love that soup. Yeah,
1: where you get that cumin and that lemon or lime and some of those spicier spices with the chicken and maybe a little rice. One of my favorite things to throw on soup is fresh jalapeno. And then it gets it softens up a little as you're eating it. The first few bites, you've got that like sharp jalapeno bite, throw a little fresh lemon juice or lemon zest on top of the soup when it's done. There's just so many lovely accoutrements you can put on
0: soup that make it feel like a nice little, a special little treat. I'm going to backtrack. And when you made that statement where meat is the seasoning, I'm going to challenge you. When I first became vegan, I actually, ever since a child, I've been throwing all the meat under the table and feed all the dogs and the family. Don't get me wrong. If you see me, sometimes I might want a steak, if you will, but there's no flavor to actual meat. And really what adds the flavor is when we go back to my favorite spice drawer or fresh herbs or lime juice or lemon zest. I will make the most delicious chicken tacos out of jackfruit, and it's all with seasoning. I will make the most delicious walnut tacos, and you wouldn't even know any difference. But I challenge you, because if everybody thinks meat tastes so wonderful, the reality is we're masking it with spices.
1: I agree with you. You're flashing me back to Restaurant Impossible with Robert Irvine, where he's berating the restaurant owner of, taste this chicken, bro. It has no salt and pepper, and it's disgusting. Uh, Yeah, need seasoning. But I think the idea of treating meat as seasoning instead of the main event is more to say, like, proportionately how you're putting the meat in there. Where, as I said, as a kid, I was like, give me the biggest steak you've got. And I'm not joking. And I'd like a salad on the side, please. And that's it. Where now I'm like, a big steak grosses me out a little bit. But I tend to, I try to eat mostly leaner meats. And I tend to, what's it called? Ground chicken. And I divide it into, I take, I get a pound. This is part of my budgeting and how I cook for one person. I get a pound of chicken. I divide it into eight servings. So each of my servings is an eighth of a pound, which is a pretty lean ring of meat. And then I cook a meal with each little package just for me. And so generally speaking, that's not a super meaty dish. That's like a dish that it's noodles, then it's noodles with a sprinkling of meat running through it versus a big, huge, a full chicken. Although I do love (laughs) a rotisserie chicken.
0: All I think of is the Flintstones where Fred Flintstone had the big Tyrannosaurus Rex or whatever it was. That was my childhood. Yeah, mine too. It's like sometimes I know I'm quite a bit older than you, but we have a lot of similar upbringings. Yeah, absolutely. You're not that much older. Oh, thank you. I'm going to be here forever. So, obviously, when I put together this menu, I know Kelly loves salads. We're going to have soups. We're going to have Mexican food. And we're going to do a chili cook off. All right. We're going to do a chili cook off. That's great. And I'm trying to even think of some other meals in there. But I love Indian food too. And so I can make a really mean curry, which is all about technique, which that might be fun to add in there. That is challenging. I have not
1: cooked a lot of Indian food, but yeah, I'm on board. I love to try new things and to cook. And I think some of the challenge, as I said earlier, in managing your budget with cooking is to figure out what you have, what you can use, what you need. And if you are, for example, cooking Indian food one week and you're buying a whole bunch of new spices, what else can you make with those spices? And how can you use the rest of the ingredients that you're buying, if it's meat, if it's fake meat, with the other spices that you already have, so you're not necessarily cooking. This week, I'm buying all the Indian spices in the world and all the Mexican spices and all the Greek spices. I'm assuming there's Greek spices. And instead, thinking strategically about your meal planning, where you don't have to necessarily cook the same thing over and over, although I do like to do that or to pre-cook a big batch and reuse it. But Just thinking around the idea of buying these things, buying these investments
0: strategically so you're not having one huge blowout. That's a fair statement. Maybe we'll leave Indian out of it. And we'll just see when we put together the menu, we can think about being simple. We're just really trying to just have fun for a week while I am still healing, share some recipes, try to get some engagement, and then pull the receipts and run the numbers to be able to show how much cash we stack by cooking and nourishing our worth. I know I talked about it earlier, but an average savings of $13,000 a year, you have $200,000 in 10 years, but you know what you'd have in 25 years, you could have a million dollars. Now, granted, you're still going to want to go out and have some meals with your friends, but it just goes to show the power of smarter decisions with our money that now will not only nourish our worth from a health perspective, but from a financial perspective as well.
1: Exactly. And I think you mentioned this earlier, but it's one of of the things I'm most excited about in this challenge is that we are both single. And so times that's where this misconception comes in is you can't cook for just one. And so then you're wasting food or you're doing all of these things of as though somehow all of the service fees or whatever on top of dining out or getting takeout for one person are making up for the difference. But I'm excited to share with everybody the joy of cooking for one. It's so lovely to be able to Make yourself a little treat. I I love to take care of people with food. Danielle, I know you do too. I love to share my food with people. I love to cook for people. I've always said, like, my, I want, I guess I'm going to say my dream wedding would be like me in a big apron in front of a pot, just like stirring this pot full of delicious chili. I don't even, chili, probably. I know. I was going to say, I started thinking of this when I was doing the crab boils, which is another big pot. Yeah. Those are awesome. I'm, There are a lot of work, so I haven't done one in a while. But generally speaking, I love to prepare food for people. But there's also something really nice about being able to just prepare yourself a nice little meal. And we're going to debunk the idea that you can't cook for one and that it's too expensive to cook for one and just share that magic. I am
0: excited. Me too. Obviously, I'm excited about food in general. One of the things that we haven't talked about and always growing up, I never ate breakfast, but some of my favorite breakfast things are overnight oats or just a smoothie. What are some of your breakfast favorites?
1: I also am not a big breakfast fan. I do love a smoothie, in particular, the Yellow Diamond from Creation Cafe that we used oh, to get- my, Oh
0: my gosh, I miss that too.
1: But as a result of kind of some of the things I've already said of my meat-loving ways and all that My favorite breakfast foods are the worst of the worst. I love bacon. I love breakfast sausage. I want runny eggs with the yolk. Although I think we've got away from saying eggs are straight up unhealthy. But obviously, like, you really shouldn't eat bacon at all. I'm sorry, everybody. Everyone loves bacon. But it's like the worst thing for you. And also, pigs are very smart. And when I do have breakfast nowadays, I also, at some point in my life, I ate too much oatmeal too many days in a row. And now I just I just can't eat oatmeal. It's just not happening. Unfortunately, I love a delicious yogurt, but I almost never have it on hand. What I do keep on hand is little mini pastries. And I love pastry. It's really like the only bread I care about. What I currently have on hand is little mini raspberry strudels. And so I I have some with my morning And that's not necessarily the most health-driven thing, but it does the trick for me. I have it with a grain tea. And I do think there's something good about jump-starting your day with a little something in your belly. And generally for me, it's going to be a pastry or maybe a hard-boiled egg. If I have actually my favorite thing, if I'm being really organized, you make a breakfast salad.
0: So a breakfast salad, tell me what's in that.
1: Yeah, so depending upon how much in the mood you are for making it literally feel like a breakfast, you can throw eggs in there. You could throw bacon in there, if eating, or faken, and and that type of thing. Or you could go down a road where you're, maybe you're putting like grapefruit and these kind of refreshing fruity things into a salad with whatever kind of dressing you care for. I'm not a big fruity salad person, although I will do a simple kale apple and nut salad is one of my favorite standbys for that. But ultimately, what you're wanting to get into a breakfast salad, in my opinion, is a good source of protein, a good source of fat, like a nut, a crunch, something to give you a crunch. The lettuce of your choice. I actually love iceberg. I know everybody is aghast at iceberg, but I love or I love, what's the rocket? Arugula. Yeah. Arugula is one of the good ones. And I like arugula too, cause it, it's hard. It holds up in your fridge for a longer time where a lot of other lettuces start wilting right away. But anyway, you want that lettuce. You want a protein. You want some kind of nut crunchy thing and then a vegetable or a fruit and a good dressing. And it, that's just it. It just gives you like some simple. It's light, doesn't weigh you down, but it'll give you that protein that kind of gets you going out the door. It's not too carb-heavy like the pastries that I'm talking about. And I love creamy dressings, but a vinaigrette is the way to go, especially, in my opinion, a morning salad. Those Creamy dressings can be a gut punch starting out your day, depending upon.
0: Yeah, I love to make a warm salad where I'll make my own dressing and add nuts and my accrue tramon I'll throw it in the skillet and I'll warm it up and then I toss it with the fresh lettuce, throw it in the jar, and then you go out your door. I can see us adding breakfast burritos that will be very easy with some leftovers or breakfast tacos from our Taco Tuesday or enchiladas. Love it we'll do this but i think you hit on this earlier while yes this is a money challenge it's also a great form of self-care and taking the time to be able to make a plan i know we always talk about having a plan is really going to help alleviate some of the stresses you go throughout the week you already know how you're going to nourish your health nourish your self-care and it's going to promote some mindfulness especially during these challenging times absolutely i think that's one of my one of the things i appreciate the most about
1: paying attention to your food budget and preparing meals for yourself is like you really dial into what's going on with you. You start thinking about what do I feel like want and how am I going to do it and what type of time is it going to take. And it really is taking care of yourself and listening to maybe it's how your body feels. Maybe your stomach's upset so you want to make something a little bit more bland or easier or what have you or in bulk because you're going to have a busy week. So you want to get meals done ahead of time. It's really about nourishing yourself, nourishing your body and
0: tuning into what you need and what you want and then taking care of those needs. I can't wait. I'm really excited to be able to debunk this myth, even though I don't think anybody's going to be mind blown, but it will be fun to be able to do this. So we'll follow up this podcast with a blog post with recipes and ingredient lists for you. And we are set to do it the first week of April and we'll share some fun stories along the way. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right, Kelly. And until next time. And to nourish your worth. The creators of Nourish Your Worth are the authors of Financial Wellness and are owners and officers of 20 Concierge Wealth Management, an investment advisor licensed by the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. Anything contained in this podcast should not be relied upon as investment or tax advice. You should be one of those
1: who get their money right.
0: One of those who get their money right.